Thank you for listening to TMA's Practice Well podcast. TMA, helping you improve the health of all Texans. Did you know that you can claim CME credit for many of TMA Practice Well podcasts? Just go to www.texmed.org forward slash C-M-E-T-O-G-O. Register for your podcast and follow the instructions to claim CME. The content of CME to go podcasts do not relate to any product of a commercial interest. Therefore, there are no relevant financial relationships to disclose. Please be advised that the information and opinions presented as part of this podcast should not be used or referred to as a primary legal source and does not replace the advice of your health care attorney. TMA has a long, proud history of promoting patient rights, advocating for physicians, and providing real solutions for your practice. We can accomplish so much when we unite in one voice. Call the TMA Knowledge Center at 1-800-880-7955 or visit textmed.org to find out how you can join or renew your membership today. Hi, I'm Cheryl Kroviak. I manage the Texas Medical Association Education Center, where through webinars, publications, and podcasts with See Me To Go, we strive to provide physicians a reliable resource to help you and your practice thrive. In this episode, we continue with TMA's Ask the Expert series, this time on human resource issues. My guest experts are Sherry Williams, who's the Associate Vice President of Human Resources, for the Texas Medical Association, and Laura Goodson, J.D., Labor and Employment Law Attorney with DeShazo and Nesbitt. Thank you so much, Laura, and I are very pleased to be here. It's great to have you both here. Now, before we get into it, Sherry, what do you hope our listeners take away from today's episode? We hope that you will be able to discuss how the FFCRA extension applies to leave policies in the COVID era and recognize the potential legal ramifications related to COVID and COVID vaccines in the workplace. Thanks, Sherry. Laura, let's start with talking about the leave time that has been extended into 2021. Sure, absolutely. So the FFCRA was the um, federal statute that came out in, it was effective, I think, April 1st, 2020, and created for the first time, new federal mandatory paid sick leave for employees who are either um, you are absent or need to be absent from work for a number of reasons, including um, ha- mandatory quarantine due to local shelter-in-place orders, or um, being sick with COVID, or having symptoms of being co- of COVID, or having to stay home to care for children who. Uh, schools have been closed and who do not have alternative um, child 
uh, care. Um, it expired on December 31st and is no longer mandatory. However, it has been extended as a voluntary option for employers and associated with it is a payroll tax credit um, that you can take a payroll tax credit for paid leave up to 10 days for employees who uh, either come down with COVID themselves, have a family member who has COVID and therefore are required to quarantine at home with them, or who are otherwise symptomatic and waiting for a test to come back or those sorts of reasons. So while an employee may not have PTO subject, subject to the employer's usual PTO, you may give this additional leave, it's voluntary, and you may take a payroll tax credit for it. I will advise you to consult with your CPA or your finance team on what documentation you need to be able to uh, substantiate that because um, that is outside of my expertise. But the one thing that just came out in this brand new law that was enacted in roles was that if you are going to grant voluntary leave for individuals who are out for COVID related reasons, you need to do so uniformly. And you may not, you may not grant it to say salaried employees, but not grant it to hourly employees. It may not favor more highly paid employees versus lower paid wage earners. So just keep that in mind. I will quickly move on from there. And oh, and, and, and let me also back up and say, the leave is really triggered only when telework is not an option. This is leave for employees that most of you all, the telework is probably not an option. So that's not really relevant, but I just wanted to, to, to flag that. Sherry, do you have anything to add? No, I think that that pretty much covers it for the FFCRA and they can let us, you guys can let us know if you need anything more in depth with regard to the extension that goes through September of 2021, I believe. That is the one thing I did miss. Yes, it is, it is officially extended to September 20, September 30th, 2021. Um, I would expect if we are still um, in a fourth wave that it would probably get extended as well though. So um, right now, September 30 is as long as you can take that, that IRS payroll tax exemption for paid time off. Okay. So let's move into some hot topics with regard to vaccines. Sherry, let's start with you. Um, what are you hearing? And then Laura, if you'll follow up covering legal aspects. The hot topics right now with that is can we make vaccines mandatory? And the answer to that is yes. But then the question we have to ask ourselves is should we make it mandatory? And I know this is a, a very sensitive topic for our practices. So we want to talk about um, that, especially with, with the exceptions of the disabilities uh, the religious ex objections, um, things like that. Laura, do you want to delve into the legalities of that for me, please? Yes, I will quickly delve into them. And this is mainly a high-level discussion to let you know that there's some issues here. And if you're confronted with those issues, you should probably get some assistance on that. But the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, has come out and, and, and basically said it is perfectly fine for an employer to require vaccinations to be able to return to the workplace with two major exceptions. One is a disability related issue. If an, if an employee has a 
true disability, you know, verified by their health professional that advises them not to obtain a vaccine. That is an exception. And that triggers a process that I'll talk about in just a minute, but I want to talk about the religious objection because that triggers the same process. If an employee has a truly held religious belief that that is inconsistent with vaccinations, it triggers the same process. And that is actually a very, very narrow exception. And employers are allowed to ask some questions surrounding that just as they are with disability. And so let me talk about that process. If you have employees that come to you and say, I cannot get a vaccine for religious reasons or because I have a disability, you are able to ask some questions about that, but you have to be careful about how you do it. With regard to a disability, you are allowed to ask for documentation from the treating health professional that um, related to the disability to verify that it is a true disability. With regard to religious objections, you are able to ask questions related to what is the religion, what are the what are the objections, is there, is there and there, there are actually very few religions that the courts have accepted as thus far, because this has come up with flu vaccines in the past, that the courts have um, acknowledged as a truly held religious belief versus a fear or a medical anxiety. So Christian scientists happens to be one of them that is the better well-known, but there are several others. So if that issue comes up, you should probably maybe get some assistance with that because you want to be careful about how how, how you go about getting the information to support it. Then it triggers, even if they do have a disability and even if they do have a religious objection that is true, then it triggers an obligation on the part of the employer to engage in a discussion and analysis about whether there is a reasonable accommodation. For example, it might be a reasonable accommodation if somebody cannot get a vaccine to allow them to come back to work, but require them to wear a mask long after everybody else, the mask requirement is listed for everybody else. For example, if they are able to work remotely, to continue to work and work remotely without an undue burden upon the, the operations, that may be an option. But these are very nuanced legal analyses that should be done very thoughtfully. And I think that's about it regarding those two exceptions. We just want to let you know there are some issues here. You may need, you just need to know where to issue spots. Laura, thank you. Sherry, anything else you want to add? I don't know what the size of your practice is, but some of these accommodations with regard to ADA, it applies if you have um, 15 or more employees in your practice. But if not, you still need to be very thoughtful in how you proceed with considering the mandating of vaccines. Thanks, Sherry. Let's talk about getting staff vaccinated. What are you seeing? The main thing we need everyone to do is to be educated on the vaccines, to be able to make an educated decision on what is best for themselves and to hopefully come to the decision that a vaccine is the right way for them if that is their decision. So the vaccination rate has really slowed down. What are some ways physicians are incentivizing their staff to get vaccinated? The main two things that we're seeing out there in the workforce is offering leave time and monetary awards. There are several companies, it seems the average leave time uh, that people are offering as an incentive, if you get a vaccine 
then we will provide you with, um, right now the average seems to be like four hours of uh, paid time off, PTO leave or vacation leave. Uh, some are offering some form of monetary incentive, anywhere from 25 to 500. You have to get very careful though when you start getting up in the hundreds of dollars because that becomes taxable, can become taxable depending on the amount. So you need to be mindful of that. And then you need to weigh that of, is that enough of an incentive to overcome the fear? Because some people truly do have a fear. This vaccine was created very quickly. It's um, been issued under the emergency, I got this wrong earlier, the emergency use authorization. Um, so it's still uh, very wary on a lot of minds. And even though we are all hearing from our physicians and respecting what everyone is saying, and for the most part, everyone is lining up and getting their vaccination, there are still quite a few out there who are hesitant. And so education is key. Incentives may be an option to help you. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you need to make sure, A, if you're vaccinated, if you are um, incentivizing people to become vaccinated and you do have some who have been approved for a, the exemption from the vaccination under the ADA or religious or health, health reasons, that you also provide them the same benefit. Um, we just have to make sure we're keeping uh, treating everyone the same. So let's say a physician decides to require that staff are vaccinated. What's probably the biggest issue they need to know or do to stay compliant with employment laws? So with regard to that, you have to be careful how you document this. Right, Laura? So the Americans with Disability Act prohibits employers from um, conducting a medical inquiry of their employees. And so asking uh, for information, I mean, with one exception is that you may get documentation of the disability, but you may not conduct a medical inquiry. And so um, we are advising people at this time, if you're going to require documentation of the vaccine, please only ask for the vaccine card itself. When you go get a vaccine and you have to fill out the form that asks you certain questions about your medical background, your current medical health, that borders on the line of a medical inquiry. And so that kind of information, we don't want any of that information. The employer does not want to have any of it. That may violate the ADA. So, you, so requiring a vaccination card is perfectly fine. And the Americans with Disabilities Act at, requires employers to keep medical information related to their employees that they have acquired properly to confidential. So you cannot disclose to other employees somebody's vaccination status, and you cannot disclose to the public, meaning, you know, patient base, et cetera, you know, the vaccination status of your employees. Now, that's not to say you can't do it in the aggregate. So, for example, on the consumer side, I have some clients who are trying to get, you know, 80, 85% of their employee base vaccinated so they can say that. Please come in our shop. We're all vaccinated. But you have to be very mindful of not disclosing vaccination status of employees to other employees or to patient base, basically. I'd like to talk a little bit about the challenge of keeping employees in the office. We're hearing from physicians that when everything shut down, some staff filed for unemployment and that staff with children 
um, may not want to come back because their kids are virtual for school still, or they're just wanting to stay out of summer camps altogether. So with unemployment checks and government health insurance and things like that, how can physicians get staff off of unemployment and back working in the practice? Obviously, this isn't legal advice, but I can just tell you that I did, I have had clients, I did have clients, particularly when the federal add-on was in place, and I don't know that it is anymore, but there, there were instances where employees were making, if they were minimum wage workers, if they were making more um, collecting unemployment, if they couldn't get the hours in. And that was a real problem. What I would say is, um, are you contesting the unemployment? If you have work available and you have offered these employees work and they have refused work, that would make them, render them ineligible for unemployment. So that is the first step that they would need to do. Now, that is a harsh step, but that is one thought. If you have offered suitable work and made it available and an employee refuses it, that makes them, that renders them ineligible for unemployment. Yes. And I have had to claim that I've had an extraordinary number of unemployment claims come in, even with EMA, from either previous employees or even current employees. Uh, There's a lot of scamming out there also. People have tried to steal someone's social security number. It's unfortunate that there's always someone out there looking to take advantage during bad situations. And Laura, you made an important point, though, that if you have offered suitable work and employees refuse that work, and that makes the employee ineligible for unemployment. Thanks for pointing that out. I think it's important to remember that. I want to shift gears now and talk about employees that are in the office. What do physicians need to do if one of their staff tests positive for COVID? Do they have to tell the patients? The answer to that is you should inform employees and anyone who has been exposed to that employee but you don't have to tell all of your patients. It's only anyone who has been exposed. Again, Americans with Disabilities Act requires employers to keep confidential any medical information relating to their employees. So you may not disclose the identity of the individual who has tested positive. That being said, you may do so with their permission and it may be obviously inferred by circumstance, but you may not disclose the identity of that person without their permission. And what if an employee who is in quarantine files for unemployment while out? How can the physician respond to that? You mean in terms of responding to the TWC? Yes. In that instance, you can respond that she was, she was not terminated. She was absent due to an illness. And in that instance, you can disclose that she was subject to a mandatory quarantine order due to a medical illness. The most important thing is you want to let the TWC know that she's still employed. Yeah. And work is available. That's their biggest, you know, that's the statement they, they need to hear. And then can you require staff to produce a negative COVID test prior to returning to work? And we should not require them. The CDC does not give us guidance on that. That is not required to return to work. As long as you've done the prerequisite, um, stay home while you're sick, let it go, then the necessary days afterwards, then if you've had no symptoms and you've had to have no medicines to keep your symptoms down, then you are considered fine. 
What about requiring employees to wear a mask? Now that there's not a state mandate, can employees be required to wear a mask? And if you do require them, are there special allowances for religious or ADA rules? Yes. But we're a year in and we have not seen a single successful religious exemption to wearing a mask. And disability is extraordinarily tight. But yes, an employer may require masks of their employees. A business owner may require masks of attendees to their people in their businesses, but the same exemptions do apply. And and let me, let me back up and say the same exemptions apply, meaning that then that triggers the analysis of, is there a reasonable accommodation or is there an undue burden um, upon the workplace? And that is where those objections usually die is, it is usually not a reasonable accommodation to allow somebody to go maskless in the middle of the pandemic. Okay. I have one more question. Summer is quickly approaching. And after more than a year of things being closed, everyone's staying in place. We're all ready, or at least I'm ready and my family's ready to, to get away. We're ready to take a vacation. Can employers impose restrictions on personal travel? The answer to that is you know you cannot prohibit uh, employees' personal travel. Now that being said, if they if you know they're going to what is considered a high risk area, you can um, ask them to self quarantine for ten to fourteen days before they return to work. But we can't limit people. I mean, I've had even our staff ask, you know, can you know can we tell them they can't go? And no, we can't. Sherry and Laura, thank you for tackling these questions. It's been my pleasure having you with me today. Our pleasure. And thank you to our listeners. We hope you found this helpful. Physicians, you can claim CME credit for today's episode and other TMA Practice Well podcast episodes. Just go to www.texmed.org forward slash C-M-E-T-O-G-O. That's www.textmed.org forward slash CME to go. Register for your episode and follow the instructions to claim CME. Like and follow to receive more help from TMA Practice Well. Until next time, stay well.